This morning, that's our, that's our prayer this morning, that you would fill us with your presence. God, that, that you would be ever-present in our conversations today. Lord, I think of Paige, Sky's daughter, that says every week she shows up to church, she puts a prayer on the board, and every single week they erase it. God, because you answered those prayers. Lord Jesus, what does it look like for us to have faith like that? Faith of a child that says, my God will and has and is going to continue to be exactly who I need him to be. Lord, to be my provider, my healer, my comforter, my savior. Lord Jesus, as we we dive into another week of the things that we say, In our series, My Big Fat Mouth, Lord, I pray that our words would be a reflection of what you're doing inside of us. God, that they wouldn't be a reflection of this world. They would not be a reflection of the sin that entangles. God, that they wouldn't be a reflection of our old lives before we had you. God, but that they would reflect your glory and your redemption alive and active in our lives. Lord, as we talk about this topic today, I pray that you would give us softened hearts. Lord, that whatever you have to say to us this morning, God, we would have ears to hear it. We would have eyes to see it. Lord, and that you would empower us with enough courage to respond. Jesus, we trust you. God, we trust you with Sky and her family this morning. God, we trust you with Anchor Church. God, we trust you with the next 45 minutes that we have set aside just to hear from you. Lord, everything else that could get in the way of that, Lord, all of the thoughts that want to come in and cloud that, Lord, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Your word says that do not worry about tomorrow for it has enough worries in and of itself. Lord, those worries are going to be waiting for us after church. But right here, right now, we want to have a face-to-face interaction with you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a seat. I finally go back to the gym. Hey, did you get my, uh, my text? Oh, oh, there it is. I just got it just came through right now. Do you want a slice of pizza? Okay, but just one. Just one. You're gonna go left on Santa Monica, and then you're gonna keep driving? I I don't need directions. Just one more episode. Yeah, I'd love to go see your band play. Awesome. Wanna go grab lunch? Oh, yeah, I'd love to, but I'm actually really busy right now. Well, clean later. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna be there soon. I'm like five minutes away. I'm five minutes away. I'm on the highway. Have you guys ever told any of those white lies before? (laughs) I was thinking about white lies that we have, and I couldn't help thinking of like lies my parents told me. Um, Parents, do you know the kind of lies you tell your kids? Just like little white lies. Never. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess then uh, Sunday morning's over. We can all go home. (laughs) Uh, I have a couple for you. Uh, One of them, uh, if you swallow chewing gum, it will be in your stomach for seven years. 
Up until yesterday, Elizabeth didn't know that, was re- that wasn't real. <laughs> like, that's a good one. And they're really good. Uh, they'll get you. Next one. Uh, if you put the dome light on in the car, you could get pulled over. I thought that was illegal up until like three days ago. I'm going to be honest with you. In hindsight, my parents were just getting me to turn the dang dome light off. Um, Another one, Santa Claus is watching, so you better be good. But we have Melvin, so we know it's true. Uh, (laughs) uh, If you pee in the pool, it could turn a funny color. And I still don't know if that's true or not. Um, I don't try it out, so we can go swimming together. Uh, uh, This one. We can come back and get that toy next time. (laughs) Parents in the room are like, oh, you're outing me. Come on. Um, If you cross your eyes, they will stick like that. (laughs) Um, And this one, this is probably the last one and my favorite, because it's just cruel. When the ice cream truck is playing music, it means that it is out of ice cream. (laughs) That is just messed up. that's messed up. And as when we're like parenting or we're kids, we hear those lies, but they, you know, kids dish it out too, right? Uh, Mom, I didn't realize what time it was, <laughs> right? Or Dad, the car had a ding in it before I left, you know? And they just kind of grow up and mature with us. Honey, that dress looks great on you. And white lies, if they were just white lies, that would be okay and probably not that difficult. But they don't stop there, do they? I want to welcome you to our third week of My Big Fat Mouth. In this sermon series, we have been looking at the words that we say and how we say them and how we can be more like Jesus in what we have to say. And this week, our topic is one that maybe you don't want to admit that you partake in necessarily, and it is lying. Uh, I was reading a study the other day that kids start lying as early as age two. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Uh, As early as age two. In the same study, it said that 60% of adults, so over half the amount of adults, cannot have a 10-minute conversation without lying. 60%. Um, And then it said within that 10-minute conversation, they average three lies in those 10 minutes. That's like one every like three minutes and some change, right? Lie after lie after lie. And the reasons that we lie, they vary, don't they? You know, sometimes we lie because we need to save our reputation. Sometimes we lie because we want the blame to fall on somebody else. (laughs) You know, sometimes we lie because we don't want to confront something or have any awkwardness. Sometimes we lie to make ourselves look better. Sometimes we lie to make others look worse. And the reasons, they just stack up, don't they? Of the reasons that that we feel justified in lying. And to prove my point, um, a couple weeks ago when I was writing this sermon, I was sitting in my office and (laughs) I'm writing the sermon on lying. And you know where this is going. Um, we were, I was sitting there writing, and the landline of the church just kept ringing. And the, the landline, nobody calls it, unless they're telemarketers or like a banjo evangelist group that wants to come and hang out with us. And I was like getting so sick of it. It was ring after ring after ring after ring. And finally, I just answered it. I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And he said, hi, is the pastor there? And I went, nah. (laughs) 
And then I hung up the phone and I went back to the sermon online. And I've been waiting for the lightning bolt ever since. Um, so if it happens now, like, you know why. Uh, but, but lying, it creeps into our lives, doesn't it? And in our unguarded moments, we mess up. Uh, and in this, if we're honest in this space, lies don't really end at little white lies. You know, lies are at the base of most divorces. You know, they are in the heaviest heartaches we've ever experienced. Uh, they are the things that keep us from trusting others. You know, they are the past circumstances that we look back and blame. And lies, when we listen to them and believe them over and over again, they form into dysfunction in our lives, where we believe things that are not true. And we all know that we're not supposed to do it. You know, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. Like, that's pretty, pretty straightforward. But we still do it. Proverbs 12, verse 22, it says, The Lord detests lying lips, and he delights in those who tell the truth. Uh, the Hebrew word for detest here means something that is disgusting or abhorrent, an abomination, something that makes one ill. It says that when we live lies, when we spread lies, when we tell lies, God actually looks at them and gets sick to his stomach. When was the last time you cleaned out the fridge and you found something that made you question if everything else was safe, right? <laughs> you know, the atomic bomb in the back. <laughs> um, I had a situation a couple months ago. My roommates and I, we ate all organic food. And we put all the trash into one big trash can and we were going to wheel it out to the dumpster. Well, it sat there a little too long. <laughs> and I remember the, the lid came up and it was like... <sighs> And this, this smell just billowed out of it. And me and Valerie, we initially just start gagging. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. And, and she goes, we got to do it. We got to do it. And we wheel all the way down to the dumpster. We open it up again, and we get the smell that smells like death. I look at it, and there are maggots growing in the trash. And I'm not going to lie to you, both of us almost vomited. Both of us were crying, and we decided to wait until Elizabeth got home. Uh, <laughs> because we all know who the alpha dog in that house is. Uh, <laughs> And she had to coax us through it. But, but that's the kind of imagery that lying is like to God. When he looks at it, it's an abomination. It's nauseating. It's disgusting. And why would that be? And it's pretty straightforward in John 8, verse 44. It says, He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Truth is, is that when we choose to lie, we speak the devil's language. When we allow his words to come out of our mouths, we speak the father of lies, native tongue. No wonder he finds it disgusting. And today, I'll be straight honest with you, this is not about convincing you that lying is bad. We all know lying is bad. But today what I want to do is uncover the enemy's plan for lying in your life. I want to show you what purpose he has in your life for lying. 
And I'm gonna call this the enemy's game plan for lying. And I really wish I had like a reading rainbow thing after that. Um, but we're gonna uncover this plan uh, through a story in Acts chapter five. So if you wanna turn with me there in your Bible or your phone app or whatever, we're gonna be in Acts chapter five, starting in verse one. And this, to give us some context, Acts chapter five is the church before it was even called a church. Uh, this was the church in one of its purest forms. Uh, this, would, this story would have happened, scholars believe, like months after Jesus had rose back into heaven. So imagine this with me. We see Jesus say, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you always. A couple months later, this story happens. So Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. And then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell, or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who had heard about it was terrified, for good reason. And then some young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. So basically, if you lie, zap, you're dead, right? <laughs> and we can all go home. This would be the ultimate lying deterrent, wouldn't it? Like, if I knew that every time I told a lie that I would just die, like, I would never touch this stuff. You know, there'd be people, like, dropping left and right at the DMV all the time, you know? <laughs> it would just happen. And, and this, this is what it happens. It says, Ananias and Sapphira, they saw a, a piece of land, and they sold it. And they said, we're going to give you all of the money that we get from selling this land. And then they go to the apostles, and in transit, they keep some for themselves, but still say, this is all the money that we have from the land. And Peter, whether it was from hearsay or a check from the Holy Spirit, he knows that it's not the full amount. And he says, is this the full amount? And Ananias says, no. Or yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he calls Ananias out, and the Lord strikes Ananias dead. And the story, we find Satan's plan for lying in your life. And the first one is this. Satan wants to take the authorship of your life away from God. He wants to take the authorship of your life away from God. All of us, we have stories. We have a story of our lives that God is illustrating and writing and changing and maybe even laughing at every once in a while. And he wants to take the pen away from God and place it in your hands. He wants to take the authorship of your life and place it back to paint a different story. Maybe one that sounds better to you. Listen to this, verse 2. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Did you know? Well, actually, let's guess. Where do you think the number one place to lie is? Dating profiles. I know singles, like, I don't make the news, I just report it, okay? Number one place to lie, dating profiles. Number two, can you guess? Resumes. 
The top two places that we as adults lie are places that are meant to tell our personal stories. And yet, we want to paint a different picture. It's like when you take a selfie, you can take it from a specific angle and with a specific filter, and you look 10 years younger. <laughs> 20 if you want it. Um, <laughs> and, and this is what Ananias and Sapphira are doing. They were showing the picture from a different angle. One that painted them this image of being these generous and forthcoming people. When the reality is, is they weren't. Romans 8, verse 27, it says, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for his believers in harmony with God's own will. And this is a part I want you to keep. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Truth is, we don't need to write our own stories. God knew us before we were born, and he is working it all together for the good of those that who love him and are called according to his purposes. And in his love and in his grace, he writes the story. Let's read this in verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why did you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And, and notice, like, Peter kind of reasons with him. He says, this was your property. You didn't have to give it away. You didn't have to sell it. And once you got the money, you didn't have to give it all to us. Well, you could have just said, we're going to give half of the money to you. And we would have accepted it with open arms. But he says, no, it was your money to give away or not. And in this moment, we realize that Ananias, he's trying to write his own story. He's trying to play the right part that he wants to. Which brings us to the second point. Second plan is to believe that we can hide from God. The enemy wants us to believe that we can hide from him. Ananias was believing the lie that God wasn't everywhere, that God didn't see as he divvied up the funds. You know, the, this lie is at the root of every lie that you have believed or will believe, that somehow God has a blind spot, you know, that, that somehow when we think he looks away, he does, that we can say things like, you know, Lord, could you just look away while I cheat on my spouse? Lord, could you just look away while I tell this story that everybody laughs at? Lord, could you just turn your eyes while I make exceptions in my work, in my private life, in my thoughts, in my home, in my relationships? I love how one commentary put it. They said, there is no locked doors or hidden closets from the Holy Spirit. That's the tricky thing about that Holy Spirit. You ask him into your life and he just makes his home, you know. <laughs> there's no locked doors. There's no closets that he can't get into. David puts it this way. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. 
the light will shine like day, the darkness is as light to you. Now, that's a really long verse, so I, I wanted to provide a new English Lindsay Standard version for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, where can I hide from you, Jesus? Where can I escape? If I go up to the top floor of the mall to spend money I don't have, you're still there. If I take a nap instead of going to church, you're still beside me. If I rise on the wings of buffalo wild wings, <laughs> if I settle into binge-watching Netflix for six hours, even there you are. If I say, surely God can't see me in this dark movie theater, even you see me. Yes, in my unguarded moments, still you are beside me. I am right there beside me in the midst of every up and down, and there is no blind spot of God. And this is the crafty part of this, is that if the enemy can make you believe that he has a blind spot, that God can't see you in those moments, God becomes much smaller, doesn't he? Uh, he becomes much less powerful. No wonder we don't have faith in God when we think that he can't see us when we tell him to turn an eye. And that's what, what the enemy wants to do, is to get you to believe this lie that, that you're not seen. That's the lie that Ananias was resting in. That God was big, but not that big. Next, last plan. His plan is to get you to live a lie that doesn't look like Jesus. Verse 7. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, Was this the price your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell on the floor and died. This is like a baller move, right? You know, <laughs> this is cool. Whoever said Christians or sissies needs to read the New Testament, okay? Like, she walks in, and Peter says, you see those guys out there? They just buried your husband, and they're going to bury you too. And she drops dead. That's cool. Like, I, like that's not, I would say mic drop, but it's like a Sapphira drop, you know? Like, she just drops dead in front of this church. And he says, they're going to take you out too. And so the guys, they come and they carry her out and bury her. And, and this is insane to me because this is the plan of the enemy. He wants to get you to live a lie. To live a lie that doesn't look like Christ. To live a lie that isn't grounded in truth. To live a life where you continually speak what the enemy would have you speak. This is my favorite quote this week from C.S. Lewis. He says, telling a little lie is like a little pregnancy. <laughs> it doesn't take long before everyone knows. <laughs> you see, it's just a matter of time before the lie is brought to light. We read, darkness is not dark around Jesus. He is light. And when he comes into the darkness, into your life, he has no blind spot. And things are brought to truth. And so that's, that's the enemy's plan for lying in your life. Uh, he wants to take the authorship of your life away from you, away from God. Uh, he wants to make you think that God has a blind spot. And then he wants to convince you to live a lie. 
That's like end, end credits rolling, you know, things are coming to a conclusion. That's, that's his plan. And if we are going to have that, if we know that that's his end goal, what are we going to do to prevent it? What are we going to do from, from keeping that from happening? It's in this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 24. It says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. So the first step in keeping this plan from happening is you have to have short accounts. Keep short accounts. Um, Don't let things fester. Like, I don't know who you lied to. It might be your spouse or your friend or your coworker, or maybe it's Jesus himself. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you want to take the power away from that moment, just deal with it. Don't let it fester. Don't let it sit. Don't keep avoiding the conversation. Because that is breeding grounds for the biggest lies we ever tell. We have to learn to keep short accounts, to not let a day go by, and to continue to live in this frustration, in this hurt. A lot of times, we as Christians, we have a tendency uh, to let it linger longer than it should. And we say things like, well, I'm just praying about it before I talk to somebody about it. Or I'm just processing it before I do something. But Christ says, we are called to be a transparent fellowship. We are called to be the body of Christ. Who do you need to be the body of Christ to? 1 John 1, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The second thing that we need to do is repair harm. Uh, When we we choose to lie, we don't just hurt people, we hurt Jesus. And the hard thing about relationships is that the closer you get to somebody, the more hurtful it is when you choose to lie. I think about this in terms of Ananias and Sapphira. Scholars believe that they were actually there when Jesus got crucified. And just months later, They think that they can hide from him. I don't know who it is. I don't know what pops into your brain when you think of lying. But I know that if it came up in this space, there's probably something worth dealing with. It's probably something worth getting freedom from. So that the enemy doesn't have a foothold. So that his plans can be stifled. Because that's the end goal, isn't it? If he can get us to live a life that doesn't look like Christ, he can disable us from seeing new people in the kingdom of God. He can disable us from going and talking to our neighbor about who Christ is because we lied to their faces. He can disable us from thinking that we have a testimony to share because we're so self-conscious about the lies that we've committed. The reality is, is that lies, they're just like any other sin. They are sent to confine you to make you doubt, and to hold you back. Would you pray with me? Lord, I don't know where we're at in this this morning. 
God, we could, we could maybe be racking our brains and saying, Lord, I haven't lied. Maybe it means this morning we need to offer forgiveness to some people. God, maybe we have been avoiding a situation for far too long. Lord, I think of when your son came, he came at just the right time. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would have conversations at just the right time. God, that we wouldn't let it wait until it boils into something bigger, Lord. God, but that we would keep short accounts. Lord, we want to have a church that has transparent fellowship. God, one that is vulnerable with each other. One that experiences offensive authenticity. Lord, and that starts today with me. God, I, I pray just like David did. Lord, would you search me, God? Lord, would you point out any offensive way within me? Lord, and would you lead me in your path of righteousness? Lord, maybe that, that path leads to somebody who's very close with me. Lord, maybe that path leads to my coworkers or my job. But God, today I want to commit, Lord, to trusting you, that your word says that when we ask and we repent and we confess our sins, you are faithful. Lord Jesus, I pray during this time of worship that you would give us a moment of reflection as well. God, to hear your truth and to make a game plan to respond accordingly. Lord, if anybody in this room needs to come down to the altars or stand or sit or, um, or do whatever they need to do, Lord, I pray that give them the courage and the space to do just that. Father God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.